Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Would the Smart Party Do? Episode 102, Electric Boogaloo. Hiya, Baz, how are you doing? <laughs> Is it 102 already? Jesus. Something okay. like that. Oh, yeah. Well, not counting bonus episodes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Thank you, mate. I'm slightly befuddled as to what the time is, what numbers mean anymore, whether day is night, whether things are the right way up, how gravity works. I don't know anything anymore, really. I thought I used to know things and now I don't. So I'm glad I was speaking to you because you've got the voice of reason and sense in the gaming world. That just shows how far you've fallen if you think I'm the voice of reason. <laughs> you, you failed your final sanity check. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's let, let's crack on with some of the stuff we've been up to. I don't think we need uh, an extra special topic this week because there's just been game stuff happening, uh, and I think we can fill an hour with that easily. So I guess probably the the star of the show was us meeting up in real life and going to UK Games Expo. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, last minute decision for me. I'm really really pleased that I went for it in the end. Um, you'd been booked in for this many many moons ago, hadn't you? Yeah. Your GM tickets and your accommodation and all the stuff sorted out because Gaz party's hard. So you had was it seventy two or ninety six hours of fun there? You were there for the whole yeah, month, something like that. Yeah, as soon as I left work on Thursday, I just dropped down there, and uh, that was it till it finished, basically. Wow. Okay, I only got there for the Friday night and sort of stayed local, and then went in for the Saturday, dipped my toe in to the experience for a long day, but a really really cool day. Um, Expo was amazing. It feels like a very long time ago now, but um, yeah, I think a good time was had by all. And it felt a bit different to previous years as well. And I think, you know, we've probably got some highlights to talk about on our experiences at Expo. Um, but, you know, I'll go straight out there and say for me, the highlight was putting names to faces and meeting up with a whole bunch of people that we've encountered over the course of the last year since the last Expo, who sometimes have just had an internet handle and a picture of a transformer as their face. <laughs> so it turns out they're real people. Who knew? And nice people too. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes someone comes up and says, hi, guys, and starts a conversation. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> That's me. And, and turn, <laughs> turns out they're a, a, a painted space orc on social media. Yeah. And we've been chatting for ages. I just didn't know who they were in real life. Yeah. I, I think I, people I, should have to cosplay as avatars on social media. I think that was the way forward. Yeah, but there was a bit of a while back on social media about like use your own real name because it's a bit weird mm. if you're going to be like sixty gal sixty nine. <laughs> it turns out you're a bloke called Brian from Bolton. Apologies to Brian, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was great to meet some real people. I, there, there's a danger that I'll try and do a list of all the people we met, and that means that I would then miss out a good dozen of them, and so I don't want to do that. No, let's not do that. But let's give a, a special thanks to everyone who came along to the seminar that we ran. Um, which uh, I think is out, was it last episode? I can't remember. We published it anyway, so you can go back and listen to it if you missed out or just want to relive the glory days. But thanks to all our patrons, supporters, people who got the wrong room and everyone else who turned up because we had a pretty much full room for our seminar, which I thought was really great for a first one, a big event like that anyway. Yeah, I don't think it's a secret to say that we were a little bit nervous going into it as to whether anybody would show because our glorious listeners, both of you, as you know, you play games and you go to expo to play games and uh, my assumption was that everybody would be busy doing what the point of expo was which was to get their gaming on um mm. and we dropped our seminar right in the middle of a slot to be fair hadn't we uh yeah so you know it was it was amazing to see so many people show up as well and what a good looking audience they were too erudite beautiful, beautiful people smelt terrific none of that comes across on the podcast 
We also benefited, of course, from in a nice air-conditioning room with places to sit down, which I think was the draw for most people. <laughs> it was, yeah. Especially our middle-aged audience. If we'd have had <laughs> um, some beers as well, we could have had a bigger expo in there than the expo had. <laughs> <laughs> we should sell some next time. I'll bring a sack trolley and a couple of crates. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks to Millie, who helped organise that on the seminar front. I'm sure we'll do something like that again soon. Uh, and probably for Dragon Meet this year, I'll have a word with Mr. Dodd and see if we can get another seminar going there with our good friends... Paul from the good friends of Jackson Elias and uh, Dirk the Dice from um, the Goidnoy Files. So it's good to have those guys on board, wasn't it? Because it, it's good to have a breadth of opinion besides just us two waffling on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and these guys we've known for a little while, haven't we? Uh, certainly Paul. We've been going to conventions with Paul for decades now. Uh, but we don't get to spend much time in real life with these fellas. Uh, and clearly we have a lot in common and it's a real pleasure to have them aboard. They both you know, both know what they're talking about and um, they're really good value. Uh, for our audience and I hope we were good value for their audiences as well who brought their their supporters and fans along for the day so yeah I really enjoyed hearing what everybody had to say I've listened back to the cast <laughs> there was some good advice in there mate there was some really good advice on how to GM at conventions and and um, it might even be worth mentioning that there was uh, there was some behind the scenes talk of whether the the seminar would even happen at all or not wasn't there right up to the last minute uh, because it turns out that not everybody knows how to GM at a convention yeah, it's unfortunate that the, the first time the UK Games Expo gets into BBC News and on a proper news channel is due to the poor actions of one bad actor. But um, mm. props to, to John Dodd and the rest of the committee. Um, one guy who basically can't play nice with others ended up getting investigated and removed from the event forthwith mm. and uh, banned for a future event. So that's an unfortunate thing. I, I, you know, It's probably worth you mentioning it just to say there was a thing that happened and there's a bit of rumour about it, but... I think it's fair to say that the majority of people there, of which there were tens of thousands, I think was an uptick of something like 15 or 20% more people this year than there were last year. Uh, there was no other trouble, bother or anything else I saw. The rest of it was just geeks having a good time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it is a shame that that sort of stuff gets talked about. And I suppose I'm guilty of bringing it up again, but equally I don't want to gloss over stuff like this. Um, people having a bad time at conventions has always happened. It doesn't have to happen, and the only way it's going to stop happening is by people raising their voice about it. So I'm really glad that that happened this time round. Yeah, it was dealt with swiftly and effectively, and and that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. And certainly, I think other conventions that come up over the course of the next year and beyond will have will have learnt some lessons about how to handle this sort of stuff because of Explo's exemplary behaviour in the face of stupidity. Yeah, and um, the guys have already said that they're going to review all the procedures and processes and stuff like that for next year. So. It'll all feel into improving things and making it even more safe and, and wonderful next time round. So, mm, yeah. all good for that. And I think, yeah. you know, notwithstanding that, you know, listen, if you've got a chance to listen back to our seminar, you can get it either through our site or, or via the Good Friends or, or via Dirk as well. He started to put out some little segments as well. Um, it was a pleasure to do the seminar. I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot from some of the questions that came up from the crowd as well. I think it's some good stuff. And uh, yeah, give it a listen. Yeah, do that. I did wander around the halls as well, trying to get more interviews with people. Well, I, I succeeded in getting interviews with people. Uh, <laughs> the sound quality being in a big echoey hall full of tens of thousands of other gamers, however, uh, is challenging. So I will uh, endeavour for you, dear listeners, to get something out as a bonus episode with some of the snippets from the various different people we chatted to. But um, yeah, the sound quality is not going to be as beautiful as this or, or the one from the seminar. But we'll see what we can do for you as, as a little bonus extra. Uh, it was great, of course, to catch up with previous guests and good friends of the show, people like 
Gareth Ryder, Hanrahan, Mike Mason, and all the rest. As well as some new folk, like some of the guys from the Free League and other games companies as well. So, um, yes, mentioned the Free League, actually. Let's talk about some of the games. I know you didn't get as much chance because you weren't there for as long as me, but I got a demo of the Alien RPG, mm. which was nice. Um, shout out to the Coriolis uh, podcast. I think they call themselves something else now. They'll, they'll now be frowning at me because I've not shouted them out correctly. <laughs> but I'll put something in the show notes for you guys. Don't worry. But that was cool. It was just a, an hour and a half demo, and it seems to work quite well. I think it's it's still the pre-release version. So there's some feedback I need to give. Um, but it, it was cool. It was really good. It, it was evocative of the um, the source material, which is what you want from that sort of license, I think. So having played some Mothership recently, which is quite good, that sort of OSI space horror RPG, and thinking it was cool but felt a little bit clunky. It was good to play something dedicated that was proper aliens. Mm. An alien and, a, you know, a good shout-out for them for doing a 90-minute demo rather than a four-hour demo or something like that. Because I think, I mean, arguably, you could get it down to an hour. But if you're going to demo things, and uh, Ian from the Giant Brain, another good friend of ours, he mentions this for the board games, like, make it less than an hour, certainly. And 20 minutes and a half an hour is great. Uh, and that's yeah. a great way of getting your product and the experience into people's hands and letting them decide if it's something they want more of rather than making people invest half a day in it. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. We've we've advocated for shorter slots for a long time now. I'm really glad you got it in at 90 minutes, mate, because I suspect that I, without looking it up, the original film Alien was probably about 90 minutes, yeah. wasn't it? So if it if it takes longer than that to get a similar experience, well, you'd be pleased if you got a similar experience. How did it hold up to like watching Alien? Did it did it feel like you were in it? Um, um, yes, and no. As I said, there's it's it's a mixture of the Mutant Year Zero stuff. And some of the other systems. Mm. Now, I ran this at the Kraken again, which is probably something I'll touch about um, later on in the podcast. But I went away to Germany for the, the mini Kraken. Yeah. And I actually ran a game of it there. And I ran it slightly differently because one of the things you have in the game is slow actions and fast actions. And you get one of each. And, oh, you know, okay. So, so you can like open a door and shoot something or that kind of stuff. So in the demo, it was very much like that. But that felt a bit... It was almost like someone had a strobe light on. So you're doing a couple of things. And like, you know, you get to the door and you can open it, but you can't go through it yet. You've got to wait for everybody else to have their go. And then you get through the door and then you shut it behind you. And yeah. that kind of stuff. So I'm a bit curious how that'll all play out. I think for me, doing things to that micro level for something where you're supposed to be like going, oh shit, there's an alien behind me and running for your life. Mm. It, it, it lost a bit because it okay. felt a bit staccato and it felt a bit too detailed. Um, But I ran it a bit more smoothly and, and uh, played a bit more loose with the kind of, how many actions you can do and what you can actually get away with per action. Uh, and it felt more cinematic and better for it when I did that. Am I, think I right the... thinking there's, there's modes of play supporting the books? Well, I saw that there was cinematic and I guess there is another thing, whatever that and is. And campaign, yeah. Campaign, so the, right, okay. It's out for pre-release now, so you can you can pre-order it and then you get a PDF, but it just has the cinematic mode in it, which is the one-shot mm-hmm. play early in the movie and that kind of thing. Um and then the campaign play will come out at a later date when the book's finished. Uh, that's a bit up in the air, what that will actually look like. I'll be interested to see. Because uh, Alien obviously very much fits itself into that one-shot mm-hmm. format, and there's only so many aliens. Uh, so right. it'll probably be a little bit more around uh, different companies or corporate espionage or exploring or... Oh, I, I don't know. It's not going to be a game where you find nice, friendly aliens or like a game of travel. It's going to be very... Like, the last thing you want on a planet is to meet an alien. You're kind of hoping it's a barren rock. 
yeah. <laughs> with lots of gold and precious metals in it that you can just mine and take away again, I guess. I don't know. I am curious to see how that plays out. Uh, the guys behind the store, Chat and T, seem quite um, convinced. They've done a good job with it. They're, they're mm-hmm. happy with the work they've done. So we'll just have to see when it comes out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I can't believe that no one had done this before. Well, someone has done it before, I think. Someone else, back yeah. In the day, yeah, but let's not talk about that. But it just seems like such an obvious thing to do. And there have always been licensed games around, but there hasn't been like a live on the shelves game you can play of Alien for, well, for years. And it's uh, and you know, my first thought when I saw it, I'm sure I won't be alone in saying this, is like, well, who needs this? Because surely I've got loads of different games and you can I've played Space Hulk and I can play an alien type scenario in loads of different things. But the fact of the matter is, mate, I've, I saw their booth, I've seen their books, people have talked about the games. If you're going to do it, you want to do it with all the official branding, don't you? Oh, that doesn't make me sound too mercenary, but it's just like, this is the proper one. Why would you do it with the with the, <laughs> with the homebrew <laughs> moonshine version? Yeah. You don't want to play Xenomorph, the RPG. You want to play Alien, no. the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one of them, like, uh, Modiphius is another country, uh, country? company, even. They seem to country. do really well with licenses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get big enough. They're a huge store like Xbox. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they've got, I think they've got now the confidence of a lot of people, uh, and they do Star Trek and that kind mm. of stuff. So a lot of licenses, and I think Free League have got to that kind of level now where they've got, they produce enough stuff and they've got enough content. And I know Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood aren't officially Stranger Things, but they are quite close to yeah. that sort of thing. I think they've got they've got confidence of people. So when they produce something like the Alien RPG, people are like, no, these guys are good and they produce mm-hmm. beautiful things and the systems tend to work. And, and so you've got that confidence. I think that gives you that extra layer of comfort. Whereas if it was some like, I don't know, independent group or a brand new company or someone who didn't do this sort of stuff normally said, oh, we're bringing out the Alien RPG. I mm-hmm. think everybody would be immediately suspicious. Whereas because it's free league, everybody went, oh, their stuff's good. And that was like your first reaction, and then so this is so now I've got hopes for for, for Alien. You know, I, I think that's probably what what has meant that this is successful now, rather than perhaps other additions or attempts have been previously. Yeah, and it's a proper beloved property, isn't it? Mm. Amongst amongst our tribes, it's um yeah, it's something people want. It bridges that thing we've always tried to ask, like why does fantasy do so well and science fiction suffers, mm. and with fantasy you can buy into it immediately. If you've got an IP like Alien, then everybody's watched one of the movies or seen one of the cartoons or read one of the books or whatever. Everybody's on board with how everything looks and what yeah. the world's like and that kind of stuff. So it gives you that jump straight into the setting, uh, which which helps. And then everybody's on board and understands what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you have to spend 10 minutes like letting people get all the quotes out of their system, though? Or is that just nice when it happens <laughs> at the table? There's a little bit of that, but then, you know, you can't play a game of D&D without somebody bringing up the Monty Python quotes or something, so... Yeah, true, yeah. I guess it works. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's all good. I'm, I'm enthusiastic about it now. Uh, it's got, like, a stress mechanic, and as things happen, your stress goes up, which gives you more dice, so you get more chance of succeeding, but then you have to roll a panic table and things might go wrong because you start panicking. Yeah. So that all works quite well. I think it just needs a tweak on the panic table because the results aren't varied enough when you get to a certain level. And everybody's got mm-hmm. loads of stress. The, the same results seem to keep coming up with the same two or three D. So I'll right. feed that back to the guys and see. Maybe in the full game, there's more to it as well. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, high hopes for that so far. I'm glad I've backed it. You get loads of stuff for the money, so it's worth heading along to their website and grabbing it while you can. Yeah, I, I could see Free League at some point down the line if they've not already said they're going to do this, just doing a uh, a system book 
for their year zero system because every game they've done so far has added something or taken a bit away or has tweaked it a little bit and I quite like what they've done not in every single case but I like that they've they've changed their core system a touch with every game as they go along and and there's definitely a feeling of like collect the set with them now isn't there Mm. (laughs) I feel like I want to have all of their games next to each other on the shelf yeah definitely and they all look great Mm -hmm. Um, and you get little special dice if you get the pre-order so then if you roll a one on your stress dice, then you have to roll on a panic table, and they've got a little face hugger on the one side of the d6. <laughs> so you could just use normal d6, but you kind of. But again, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's all cool. Uh, what else did we see? Uh, well, I spoke to Mike Mason and uh, Cole, who were on the Chaosium stand. So I picked up the latest uh, Down Darker Trails adventure book. Nice. And we got some of the things cooking there. Pelgrim Press were doing the usual offer on buy some, get some more free kind of thing. So it's good to speak to Gareth. Yeah, uh, It was good to speak to some of the indie guys as well. So Dan Sell has Troika out, that mm-hmm. lovely um, full-colour little hardback book that was beautiful. Spoke to like Grant Howitt and the guys uh, from the indie stuff up there who do uh, Strata, the new book for Spires Out, things like that. So although the majority of the whole, I would say, is board games and other things and accessories, mm-hmm. If you go delving about, there's still plenty of little RPG stalls knocking about the place. Yeah, um, it took some finding, in my experience. I mean, I, I think I went nearly everywhere. But, I mean, just to give you an, an, an idea of how big Expo is, for those of you who haven't been, I actually could, didn't find the Modifia stand. And everyone tells me that wow. it was the size of Heathrow Airport, <laughs> which <laughs> I can well believe. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't find it just by ambling around these two giant halls. And, and you're right, mate, there was everything on sale. Um, I mean, some of it was gaming adjacent and some of it was gaming adjacent, adjacent, adjacent. There was like wax <laughs> wax candles of characters from books that I'd never heard of. Uh, does, yeah. you know, doesn't mean they're not popular. It just means I'm really not very well read. But man alive, people were selling key rings with goggles on them and just mad stuff. And, um, and there was queues at just about every single place. It was busy all the time. I know I was only there on a Saturday, which is going to be a busy day for that kind of stuff. But the amount of money that must have changed hands across those stalls. I mean, the hobby is in rude health. And yeah, there was an awful lot of board games and stuff. But the the two bits that kind of stood out for me, just as kind of like from a business perspective, was uh, me and my mates played quite a few board game demos. And the Asmodee demo team were out in force. They must have had hundreds of those guys and girls in the t-shirts doing really good demos. But they weren't selling the games. They would just say, oh, no, we're not here to do that. We're just here to show you the game. Which seemed a bit odd, because we played a couple of games that I would have handed over some money for. And equally, Paizo had a massive area where they were doing all of their demos, playing all of their games. Starfinder, Pathfinder 2 is a big deal. You know, this is not a small company. But they didn't have any product for sale. It's weird. Although, yeah. on the flip side, people like Games Workshop showed up. And they brought the shop, as you could imagine they would do. <laughs> yeah. They had no trouble. They, they, no, it was really funny. I, I nearly bought some stuff from Workshop. It's been a while since I've done that. They didn't have any of their prices on anything. And it was like those kind of really expensive shops in the King's Road where if you've got to ask, you probably can't afford, you it. Can't afford it. So I did ask, <laughs> and I couldn't afford it. So I moved on. <laughs> People were loving the new glazes that they got. Um, oh, contrast Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Good friend of the show, Stockyman. Uh, he came back and showed me Space Marine that he deliberately tried to paint badly. Uh-huh. And, um, like, he can accidentally paint things badly. He doesn't need to try. But <laughs> it still looked all right. You know, that, that those paints are great. 
Yeah. Um, a little bit of me inside went, well, no, it should be miserable and take you ages. You should learn your craft. <laughs> it shouldn't yeah. be easy. But then another part of me was thinking, if I start playing things again, I just want something easy. So I'm in two yeah. minds about it. But yeah, good to see Games Workshop there. Yeah, that was a game changer, mate. And, and I found myself sort of like uh, falling towards those kind of places. I mean, all of those RPG things you mentioned, I was absolutely on the lookout for. And I saw all of those. But do you know what? If there was 10 other types of game stalls for every one thing that was doing anything RPG related. And mm. and I, I do have to say, I had a few things on my list that I wanted to pick up. And I thought, if I can't get them at Expo, where can you get them from? And it, to be fair, it's stuff from America, which is just a pain in the ass to get delivered over here. But I thought, I'll pick it up at Expo. Why wouldn't it be there? Well, it wasn't there. It genuinely <laughs> wasn't. You, you could get stuff, you know, you could get in early on some things. But... Do you know what? It does, it's not a role-playing convention. It is a gaming convention, of which role-playing is a massive part, and it's still got more role-playing at it than all the other conventions probably put together. But it is dwarfed by the amount of other stuff that's there, which is all incredibly cool. I didn't. I, I just didn't know there was so much stuff. Well, yeah, yes and no. So one of the things when I was chatting around all the role-playing stalls um, was saying that Wizards should be there, or they only should have a big stall. Right. Much like Paizo did, for example, yeah. or something like that. Uh, and I think that would be a good lightning rod, especially with all the different things. It could sound like a, I don't know whether you have whatever, Acquisitions Incorporated or some of the live stream critical role, some, just some kind of light live stream thing live at Expo as a big feature, perhaps. But I think as a lightning rod to get people interested in RPGs, and that's how you're doing that whole thing, you still have a big wizard stand mm. with some people from Wizards there doing cool stuff. Uh, and I was mentioning this, and everybody else was, and then someone pointed out that actually there had been a wizard's presence, but they're in a room somewhere else in the Hilton, running loads and loads of games and giving out prizes, right. and having an amazing okay. time, and pointed me to social media with some of the, the top bods from Wizards, and a room with about 200 people, and it all going mental, because they were playing loads of D&D. So <laughs> I think the, the role-playing aspect, it's sort of telling of the, the hobby in general, that the role-players were role-playing. They're all in the Hilton yes. and other places, actually playing role-playing games, so They've got a limited appetite for walking around holes and buying things or, you know, looking for your card sleeves for tarot-sized cards or whatever it is that you might need that you think's niche and you'll find there. Mm. I think board gamers have probably got more of um, an appetite for shopping or going browsing and that kind of stuff. So I think, yes, on the face of it, there's less role-playing there and is lesser amount than the the board gaming. But actually, if you went to the Hilton, there was loads and loads of role-playing actually happening. You know, people playing the games, which I think's... You know, great. It's just a shame to an extent that it's sort of hidden or it's not yeah, as visible. Yeah, It'd be yeah. good to see some kind of presence of it. I don't know whether you could get a screen up with some sort of live feed or some interviews or, or, or how you do it. But if you put together like the seminars and the games that were happening and the events and the like the Cthulhu Masters and all that kind of stuff, there's actually mm. tons of stuff happening. It's just how do we make that more visible so that people get excited about it, I guess. Yeah, and, and I suppose, you know, we've proved that it can be a spectator sport, but we yet to see that leveraged at live events on this side of the pond anyway, for sure. I don't know. I don't know whether it's just televising it that makes it, you know, makes it a thing, perhaps. Mm. They can do it in America at Gen Con. Uh, how far away are we from doing something like that at Expo? Because you do get live podcasts or, you know, podcasts recorded live, certainly, at the, at the show. Uh, things like uh, Shut Up and Sit Down was like standing room only in the Toot Suite, which is about yes. 350 people, I think. Yeah. So we're not that far off being able to run a game and have a big suite of people there. If you get a couple of cameras in, I don't know, maybe picks it for next year. Um, Baz, we'll, we'll get together with the good friends of Jackson Elias 
and get them to run some Cthulhu or something and get the Grognard files on. Yeah. M- maybe we live stream again. Let's pitch yeah. it. Let's do it. I tell you what, if, if either of our listeners want to write in and tell us that they agree with that, we wouldn't take much encouragement, to be honest. It probably takes like two people to go, yes, please, and then we would do that. Yeah. And write to the x guys and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, yeah. It's not much point telling us. We're in on the idea already. We're sold. <laughs> We're more, more than sold. <laughs> tell us conv- the people who matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's convincing other people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so uh, no uh, Expo review will be complete without giving a shout-out to Lloyd Gann as well. He was running the games on demand area with mm-hmm. his uh, uh, ever-enthusiastic gems. So I, I bullied Lloyd into running some kind of cyberpunk game for me because he'd mentioned it on his list of things he might play. It was only afterwards he let me know that he'd, he'd never done that before and he didn't. Mm. <laughs> he was running a different gem to run the cyberpunk game. So I kind of bullied him to run a game that he didn't know a lot about. But it was a good session regardless. Right. Uh, and I played two or three other things as well. That I skipped in mind. I think it was another cyberpunk type game, and my scheduled game didn't run up for us because not enough players turned out. But with games on demand, there it meant I could just like swap my ticket for a two-hour games on demand slot and just go and get something, which was cool. Mm. Nice. So yeah, I think Expo was generally a success. It's as good as ever. It's getting bigger by a percentage points every time. So mm. um, it'll be interesting to see how things progress from here. I, I can't imagine they're too far away from having the entirety of all the holes of. Of, of you know the NEC, it might be say five years or something, but it, it keeps expanding. Yeah, it does, mate. And it uh, does. That's only good for the hub, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to have a solid fixture like the central tent pole for the year as well, which I think it's now become. Mm. Um, and and that kind of rising tide brings up all ships, as they say. And I think it would do good for all of the other conventions around the country too. All of which, I guess, by by definition, are smaller. Um, but you know we've got a couple of those coming up as well, haven't we? And you've been international as well, so mm. smaller affairs. And you know, other conventions have a very different feel and a very different take to Expo. I guess when it gets around to Christmas this year, we'll talk about Dragon Meet again. I think Dragon Meet and Expo have got a lot in common, but the other gaming conventions are much more about playing the game, perhaps, arguably. Um, so tell us about Germany, mate. How was the Mini Kraken and? And how, how mini is a mini Kraken? Because that still feels like it should be a big thing. Yeah. Well, it's the same venue, so it's still a big manor house out in the East German countryside. So <laughs> it still feels glorious. It's uh, just a hollowed-out Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this time of year, the weather's good as well. Uh, so having lots of grounds around you is, <laughs> is super awesome. So we played quite a few games actually out in the sunshine, and there was um, a gazebo. <laughs> roll from okay yeah <laughs> <It was blur. laughs> so there's a bit of a fight for who got the shade to play outside and that kind of stuff it's good there's about 30 or 40 people i think uh including mm. a couple of babies and a dog so i don't know how many grown-ups there were but it's uh just a nice chilled out affair and it meant i got a chance to play a couple of games as well as run a couple so i've mentioned aliens which i ran uh, i also ran things from the flood which went well mm-hmm. that's another free league game I need to get onto them to give me some free stuff. Actually, I keep winning all their things. Yeah, I'll see if I can, see if I can send me some books. I'm sure they can. They're nice people. Um, and what else did we do? Oh yes. So we had Jason Drell and Lynn Hardy there, who are line editors for Chaosium. So I got in a couple of their games as well. Played some Call of Cthulhu. And the interesting thing that um, Jason's been working on that he's—I don't know whether it's going to be an official game or an unofficial one or whatever—but he seems to be slowly advancing it. Is Lone Star which is like Pendragon system, but uh, Texas Rangers, basically, or Cowboys, that kind of yeah. thing. So instead of having the usual passions and traits, you have like the seven deadly sins and the opposites. 
and mm-hmm. they're your things that you kind of like define your character and that kind of stuff. Uh, and you have a stat for sand, which is basically when someone calls you out, it's like, have you got the guts to yeah to yeah, react, yeah. or do you like quail in your boots and that kind of thing? So some nice little tweaks on the Pendragon system, um, but seem to fit with the setting. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, I think Jason himself admitted that that particular game didn't quite go how we expected. I'm I'm not sure how much we can blame the the large bottle of um, Patreon tequila that he brought out for me to drink. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'll draw a veil over that. It was, it was good to get a game with him anyway, and, we, and he ran some RuneQuest for us as well. So that was another oh, cool. another good experience to get the new RuneQuest about with one of the live developers of the of Chaosium. So there's tons of other stuff happening as well for um, all kinds of uh, variety of things, including uh, Orc Break Ridge, which one of the people ran, which was kind of Heartbreak Ridge but with Space Orcs in the 40k universe using um, I think that whatever the not the Black Hack, but the white white star, could be uh, white hack, could white be white hack. I think, yeah, yeah. So that that was quite fun, as it turns out. I could hear it from the other ring. So there's <laughs> lots of, lots of games going on, but I think you're right. It does have that feel, certainly, with other smaller conventions. That it is about the games, mm. and that's when you see that it's a role playing convention because there's not like massive stores or anything like that, or trade halls to browse. It is just about turning up and chatting mm. to people about games or playing games. Yeah. Which is all cool, uh, and I played like Azul and some of the board games, Escape the Dark Castle, other bits and pieces like that. It's good to have a nice retreat, and I think certainly at our advanced age, it's nice to have weekends away where you can just go and be a geek for a bit and not worry about the real world, and you're just with like-minded people doing cool stuff. <laughs> it's nice to be able to get a sit down, yeah, have a beer in a quiet <laughs> pub. I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's, it's it's got me fired up for the for the main cracking that happens in October. Anyway, mm. so I'm plotting games for that. Good, because there's actually quite a lot coming up, isn't it? I mean, I know we're only in June, so there's the back half of the year is still to go, but um, there's quite a few things on the schedule, isn't it? Mm. Uh, just off the top of my head, you've got your Big Kraken, you've got uh, you've got your Grog Me, you've got your Owlbear and Wizard Staff. Um, some of those we're attending. I think you're probably going to all of those, aren't you? All of the above, yeah. And Furnace. Of course. Sheffield, of course. I think... Um... I've heard rumours. I'm not. I'm not seeing the confirmation, but continuum that normally happens once every two years. I think from next year is going to be on a yearly basis annually. Oh, nice. Okay, that's good. So, so that'll be another thing that slits in that um, slot right in the middle of the year, mm. which I think some people think it's great and some people think it's don't. But I mean, to be honest, from an organisational point of view and from having something on the calendar, just making it annual makes it fine. Because otherwise, you forget. Is, is it an on year and off year? Uh, booking things with the university is hard work. Arranging time off on your holidays with your family or anywhere else becomes a struggle if you're trying to remember whether you need to keep those weeks free or not, all that kind of thing. Yeah. The availability of another convention can only be another good thing. I don't see how that can be that can be bad, to be honest. Yeah, more choices doesn't mean that people are taken away from you at all. It's just, you know, it, there might be a fear of missing out if you can't get to all of them. But yeah. that already exists, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you can't get, yeah, I don't think you can get to all of them. I know some people try, but it's not right now. No. No, it was come down last weekend, and unfortunately I couldn't make it to that in Amsterdam, which uh, I've sent the images on social media for, which is fun, as always. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's tons on. Uh, you can't get to all of it, but I think having more is good. So yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm going to all of those, as you mentioned, and it's great to see things like uh, Grogmeet and Albert and those mm-hmm. other smaller conventions that are just basically someone hiring a room, and then gamers turn up and have fun. I think that's all you need, and if anybody needs any encouragement out there, that's Really, if you just get a bit of a community together who like playing the same sort of games or 
have similar mindsets, then it really is as simple as that. Like Concrete Cow, I think, showed the way on that. And mm. the Spaghetti Conjunction, I know that Go Player Leads has been going for a while. Good friend of the show, Guy, was that. But then Newt's been uh, encouraging Go Player Manchester as well. So mm. tons of stuff happening now, more on a, even a monthly basis rather than even you know once a year or once a quarter or whatever else. So I, I am excited about the amount of gaming I can get in even without a gaming Greek now. I think that's the advantage of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. My gaming yeah, the gold about... standard used to be like a weekly gaming group. It would, you know, you go around each other's houses and do that. My weekly gaming group meets up at least twice a year. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other thing I saw is um, I've mentioned Mr. Dodd already, um, and he also does a thing called Longcon, which happens at the Garrison in Sheffield as well, which is a weekend long thing, and basically where people can play the same game for the entire weekend if they wish, or the same game for an entire day. So it's, it's kind of a different thing from the, the shorter sessions that people are perhaps used to. Mm. What is announced this time around is that if you're a volunteer at any event, so that could be Dragon Meat or one of the conventions the conventions we already mentioned, it could be anything else. And if you're uh, some guy who sits on the door and collects ticket money, if you're a GM, if you help clean up afterwards, whatever it is you do, if you volunteer, uh, then he's announced that you can go to Longcon for free and you don't have to pay the price. And if you're not a volunteer of some sort at a convention, don't worry, you can pay... The normal price, which I think is only like £10 a day or something anyway, and still go. But I think that's a nice touch that he wants to kind of give something back to all the volunteers in whatever capacity that is and whichever convention it is, that um, you can go along to this event and just join in for free. And you, you, he's basically standing the cost of the, the hire of the venue and all the rest of it. So that's a really nice touch. Yeah, that's a good move. Well done, John. Thanks for doing that. Because um, I'm not sure anybody else would have had the, uh, the imagination to think of that as well. It's like a nice new twist yeah. on conventions. So well done. Yeah, that's all good. So, one of the games I'm looking forward to running, Baz, um, you mm. may not have heard of it, it's just out on Kickstarter now. It's called King of Dungeons. What's it about? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's based on the Arcade system, which is like 1330. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's stripped down. It's like your mate chatting to you when you read the book. You know, it's... <laughs> I suppose uh, regular listeners will be aware at this point that we managed to make it half an hour into this podcast and we've not talked about it yet. Oh, jeez. Well, I will uh, listen, listen. You spent two years saying to me, when's it happening? Well, it happened and it's happened in such a way that I, I'm blown away by what's happened. Uh, at the time of recording, we have just crested, uh, I say we, it's just me. Um, <laughs> we have crested 1,000% funding on this little thing that I did in my spare time and knocked up over a couple of years and, and just put my sort of funny stories in it and tried to use some adjectives in the right places and thought of some new names for old stuff. And uh, I popped it up on Kickstarter due to the encouragement of a great little community that just seems to be carrying me along at the moment. Um, and with the help of some amazing people who have come out of the woodwork, people I've never met in real life have just been so generous with their time, not least of which has been the mighty Sam Vale, who has who has done all the layout, basically, when my computer skills utterly failed me and I realised you couldn't just do this stuff in Word and hope that that was going to be good enough. <laughs> and he uses words like bitmap and grayscale and, and Adobe. And I don't know what he's talking about, but he makes it sound so good when he does it. And he, he's done all that for me as well, whilst on his sickbed. So, you know, get well soon, Sam. You've done such an amazing job for me so far. I have got so much work lined up for him now, it's unbelievable. So with the help of these guys, I stuck it up on Kickstarter, um, which is like filling in a mortgage application 
and then you hit send and you just don't know what's going to happen and 13 minutes later the whole thing had funded I, I just couldn't believe it and I've been just blown away for the last couple of days it's been about 48 hours now I've had very little sleep just answering questions and saying thank you to people who sent me good wishes and updating websites and making websites for that matter um, it's a very 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 good job I had this thing written before I pressed the button because I don't know <laughs> how people I don't know how people get the Kickstarter going and then decide to write the game where do they find the time so King of Dungeons is live right now it's in the very early days it's two days in by the time this podcast comes out it maybe be a week in and I will have by then decided what I'm going to do as far as whether to add stretch goals or not um, so much is undecided because I never in my wildest dreams assumed that I'd be on a thousand percent funded that just doesn't happen to small time operators like us except it does <laughs> yes yeah my, my feed has been an embarrassment of riches I've just seen the cover of your book as people share it constantly <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite got to the point where I'm sick of the sight of it but I think you know where I'm going with this <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, well, all you've got to do is buy a copy, then you can turn it over, and then you can look at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't help my social media feed, but yeah, it is good to see the community coming together. And I think that's just like um, that's borne out through things like Albert and Grogme and all these other little conventions that you go to. It's just full of enthusiastic people who are like really keen mm. to try things out and help each other out and play games and support each other. It's just a really yeah. life-affirming thing. I think the Kickstarter is good in that you've got tangible proof that all this is true. Like quite yeah. often, it's just me and you waxing lyrical about how everybody's great and gaming's good and it's never been better and there's no real evidence of that apart from our words well now we've actually got some real evidence that people just like like playing games and supporting each other and doing cool stuff so that's all great to see yeah it really is and, and I'm, I'm hugely grateful for anybody who's pledged anything at all i mean it, trust me you'll enjoy it it's a quality game and i can't wait to get it into your hands and you're about 30 days away from that as we speak so um it's definitely, definitely encouraged me to do more of this stuff. Um, and uh, and you and I, guess we've always got irons in fires as far as this sort of stuff is concerned, haven't mm, we? And I think indeed. we've probably both been somewhat surprised by the, the warm welcome that the community's given to stuff that's got our names on it in recent, in recent months, and they've got loads more to come. So, yeah, look out for stuff from Smart Party Publishing that doesn't exist yet, but might do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, no, that's all really exciting. Uh, and it's good to see that people are like happy to run it at conventions and things like that as well. So that's, yes. that's just, you know, I think, like I say, in a way, it feels a little bit unreal that it's something you've created in your bedroom almost, or whichever room in the house it was. And then now yeah. people are going to run it at conventions for strangers. But that's, that's all really cool. I'm, I'm, it it is mad. It is mm. mad. And um, I, same as you, going back to Expo for a sec, I caught up with Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, who is a, I'm sure he won't mind me calling him a veteran of the industry at this point. And he's certainly a veteran when it comes to having written scenarios that other people have played. And, and we were chatting about that. And apparently it never gets old. It never gets old finding out that some people from literally the other side of the world sometimes have been making up some cool stories and coming up with war stories and characters and plots and villains and traps and just all of that stuff based on something that you put together. You know, taken like, you know, your idea and, and turned it into their own thing, which is what games are all about. I can't wait to see what people do with my stuff. Because it's not my stuff anymore now. It's it's about to be yours, about to be theirs. That's that just is never gonna get old. Um and the minute it does, you know, it's like put me to sleep, guys, because you know, I'll be dead at that point. <laughs> yeah, and um it's great to have good friends of the show like Dennis Dick. Well I shared it quite recently as well and 
his huh. feed's very much about doing the thing. Uh, and he always has like a, a hot take on stuff, if that's the right expression. But quite a few people recently have been talking about how much people get paid in the role play industry for writing and mm. is it enough and which, which people do and which people don't and all that kind of stuff. And his view is very simply like, cut out the middleman and do your own stuff and keep yeah. all the money. Uh, and that's, you know, we're, we're li- well, sorry, you are living embodiment of that. I like to get reflected glory because, you know, obviously <laughs> anything you do that's successful, I want to claim credit for. And uh, anything I do this bad, I'll give you half the blame for. That's, yeah, that's kind of what he's going to work. Seems fair. <laughs> but um, it's, it's good to see a living embodiment of that. So I think it should be encouraging to other people out there as well who want to produce their own hashtag content. Um, yeah. So, yeah, again, flitting back to uh, the Modifius stall at Expo. It was good to see uh, the full colour books of Liminal out there, which, mm. again, one of our previous glorious guests, Paul Michener, uh, has wrote, along with other assembled uh, assembled people who did stretch goals for it. Uh, it's good to see like a proper product out there on the shelves and, and outselling some of the other, in inverted mm. commas, proper products as well. Like It, it might feel like a cottage industry sometimes, but um, if you work on it, you, you soon become part of the establishment almost. Like you know, your, your books or your games that you create are as equally as good as anybody else's. Mm. There's a lot of content out there, and it's not all to everybody's taste. But there's there's a, there's a niche there for you if you've got a burning desire to produce something. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I've seen happening around uh, conversations about the hobby recently, following a bit of stuff on Twitter and other forums too, is people are starting to talk quite openly about monetization in gaming as well. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I've been quite pleased to see is there's now some very open discussions about how much people should get paid for their work whether they be writers or illustrators or layout artists or editors or whatever you are. Um, And the role-playing industry, now that some spotlights have been shone on that by people who've been in that industry, properly been in it and tried to make a living out of it, is that role-playing industry just does not pay very well. In fact, it's ridiculously poor with people being offered one cent a word, which is wrong on a a couple of levels, first of all. You know, from from just one cent a word is ridiculous for anything, but surely all that encourages you to do is just write lots of short words, which doesn't make for a good book. It's just let's just churn out any old nonsense. So that's that's been a thing, and it's becoming less of a thing now. And I was so delighted to see Matt Colville of um, of D and D fame, I suppose you could call him these days, certainly of YouTube fame, to actually offer a paying gig where he's paying twenty five cents a word. Yeah, which is. Absolutely, the other extreme. I mean, that is a proper paying gig, which it should be for someone who is going to do a professional job um, mm. to put some good product into people's hands. Um, at the same time, I've been seeing things like uh, there are some really interesting productions out there now where people for their Kickstarter rewards are offering PDFs at a knockdown price for people who find themselves in financial dire straits, but they still want to get involved with the game. and but offering the same PDF at a higher price for those who feel that they can dip into their pocket and and they want to pay what they believe the game is worth. It's yeah. Things have moved on from pay what you want, which I think potentially has backfired over the years because the people Can't I know be, are just yeah. not getting paid anything for that. Um, yeah. To people saying, do you know what? Here's, here's my game and I think it's worth, I think it's worth 20 quid. I think it's worth 25 quid. I think it's worth 40 quid. It's worth what I think it's worth and, do you want to buy it? And, it? and people do if it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is my, think... why my game is mega cheap because it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for. Yeah, I think it is one of them where they pay what you want. I mean, I'd be guilty of it. Though. Your first instinct is, well, I'll pay nothing and get it, and then see if I like it, and then give them some money afterwards. And what yeah. can happen is the thing just ends up languishing on your hard drive, and you never look at it. 
Or you do That's look right. at it and think, oh, this is quite good, but you're at work in your lunchtime, and then by the time you get home, you forget, and you don't go back and give them any money because you've forgotten that you're supposed to. Mm. Or, you know, it, it gets to the point where by the time you've looked at it, it's like six months have passed, and you feel, it feels a bit weird going and buying someone a coffee for it now, so you, you don't. So it's better just having a price for it in the first place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is something yeah. that... Um, I mean, I look at some of the games that Andy, my local um, game store guy, runs and he ch- he was charging about five pound a game for a place on his D D games, of which he's up to about two hundred and fifty this year or something. He's a machine. Wow. It's ridiculous. Um and quite a lot of them now he's charging ten pounds. But I mean he himself says it's not about the money. But that's just all about just getting the commitment. Because if you've paid ten pounds mm. for something, you're probably going to turn up and have the game. Like you're a lot less likely if it's, than if it's free, for example, you might just think, I can't be bothered. I'll watch another yeah. episode of my Netflix show because I'm near the end of the series now or something. But if you pay the tenner or even the fiver, you're much more likely to show up. And that's what it's about. You know, it's not how he's running his store. He's not, you know, surviving on D and D entrance fees. That's not going to pay the electricity man and the rent and rates and all the rest of it. But it's just mm-hmm. a way of getting a bit of commitment and showing some appreciation for the, the effort he's putting in to organise all these things and all the prep he does because he does a lot of hard work with it. I think it's the same for writing and editing and everything else. You know, you put no small amount of time into doing King of Dungeons, for example. True. So, you know. Even if you look at how much you're charging and it's a runaway success, your hour rate is still pretty small. I mean, a centre word might turn out to be generous when you look yes. back at it all. Um, but hopefully, yeah, like, you're a lot of what right. you did I'm, was for fun, right? Yeah, I'm not, no one's going to make a living out of this. And I don't go into it with the expectation to do that. Um, I have made a living out of gaming back in the day, um, but that those days have behind me. I've got other things to do now and other commitments. But you're right. It is... Um, it is how much you charge for something and how much you want to pay for something is is a is it's like the scorecard of your commitment to that project. Mm. Um, it just is, and at the other end of the scale, we've seen some stuff come out for the hobby recently, which I know has put sort of there was a little shockwave ran through social media recently. Was it all of the Warhammer books, the entire collection of everything for like? Yeah. I, I'm going to have the details wrong on this. Was it like two grand or something for like every <laughs> book ever written? Uh, that's <laughs> a bit on, much. It's in the product catalogue. So- yeah, they're doing. Um, there's going to be a collector's edition of the Enemy Within campaign, which is going to be, I think there's five books, but then there's a, also a collector's edition of each of those five books. There's ten books, uh-huh. and I think you get the set for something like six hundred quid. <laughs> Two grand was slightly out there, was it? Slightly <laughs> old, yeah. Unless you want three copies of the collector's edition. <laughs> but even so, that was a sufficiently large amount of money that everybody, no matter who they were, went. Six hundred quid. <laughs> was like, yeah. it, that, that was a number where you start thinking, wow. right, what else could I have for six hundred quid? And how yeah. much do I want this, you know, collection of a thing I've already got, sort of thing. But people will buy it, you know. Exactly. It is exactly. one of those things, and it's like you say, like it, it, it's worth what it's worth. And uh, there are the cubicle seven and the back of it, thinking that worked, it was great, or we're not doing that again. That costs a lot of money. <laughs> one way or the other. But it, yeah. it's good that we're in such a vibrant place now that people can try stuff like that with a reasonable amount of confidence it's going to get somewhere. And I think yes. at the opposite end of the scale, you've got something like the Warhammer starter set, which is a beautiful thing. It's inlaid mm-hmm. with a map. You've got some dice, and uh, there's longevity to the, the stuff you get in the box set in terms of the Ubersreich uh, city and things like that. And that's like 23 quid, I think, for a nice little box set with some pre-gen characters yeah. and adventures, some backgrounds, some of the cool stuff, counters and things. So they've kind of like covered the whole scale from something quite cheap, which you get a lot for, to something that's a bit of a vanity piece, but 
some people will no doubt splash money on. Yeah, and, and that mirrors what happens in the hobby as a whole because if you want to go and drive through and type in free RPG, and free RPG day happened a couple of days ago, didn't it, at the time of recording? Yeah, last um, Saturday, yeah. Yeah, you could, you could quite happily be a, a role player for the rest of your life and spend no more than the price of your internet connection to get that done. Um, which you probably have anyway. You certainly have if you're listening to this. So Mm. you don't have to spend any money to be a hobbyist, but where's the fun in that? That's stone soup. You can equally, you can can spend an arm and a leg on stuff in the hobby. It's whatever makes you happy. But what I find now, I'm so grateful for this, is that people seem to be prepared to pay creators a decent amount of money for their creations. Uh, If you want content, people are happy to pay for it. And I'm kind of personally glad that you don't feel like you've got to just give stuff away or if you're an artist that you're prepared to work for what they call exposure, which hmm. last time I checked didn't buy you any food at Tesco. So, you know, yeah. it's... Scottish power don't accept great. it. No, they do not. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, our show is powered by the by the patronage of our glorious funders who keep the show on the road because it isn't free to produce stuff like this at all. Um, and we have bills to pay and they are covered. Uh, by our audience and we're eternally grateful for stuff like that you know for the price of a cup of coffee every month people drop stuff in our tip jar on patreon um and it means we don't have to worry about stuff like that and that's what it does doesn't it when you, when you pay good quality money for good quality products you take all the worry out of the transaction and that's yes. been such a nice thing to see happen i think part of it is the humanization isn't it so like i mean i guess people bought into liminal for example because they like the idea of an ever fantasy style game, but then equally, there's yeah. a lot of folk who were like they went to support Mitch, and people yep. have backed King of Dungeons because they want to support you and that kind of thing. And absolutely, I probably want to shout out for Paul Bardowski and um, and his lovely wife Phil as well, because they not only got us some uh, brandy to smart party dice trays and all rolled up. So thank you very much, guys. They're beautiful. And yeah, cheers, very guys. Much. They're great. But Paul also won an award again at Expo for the second year running for his little adventure um, that he's written. For his Cthulhu hat game and, and iterations thereof. I think it was a spacey type one this time. Was it Valkyrie 9? I can't remember. Valkyrie 9, yes. Yes. So um, that's all good. And I think they've again generated some goodwill. People just like them and they produce good stuff that is made by gamers for gamers and that kind of thing. And I, I think there's a bit more of um, a bonhomie about the role playing industry at the minute. It's not just all the big players, although obviously Wizards are having their massive events for. Uh, descent into Avernus and all that kind of stuff and can afford to do big, flashy mm. things. I think even at the groundswell level, other people are realising that um, while you say people might not make a living out of it necessarily, there is that like just throwing a bit of cash about just to sort of help each other out and buy each other's stuff and promote it a little bit and play each other's games and talk about them. And it just feels like um, we're getting more of a proper community again that's better than it was, for example, when we had a lot of forums that were, or G Plus and communities that way it feels to me probably because i go to a lot of conventions to be honest but there's more of a community as in real community that there's people you know and recognize the faces and and things that you've seen on the internet that you now you can hold in your hands and that kind of stuff i don't know it just feels like we're going a bit more old school again like it used to be back in the day or something no i i think that, i think that's a fair point mate and i think when you come out of expo that's what that's when it really helps because you do get a chance to to speak to real people you get to you know the melsonian arts council is Dan Sell and a couple of his mates, you know. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to know him as Dan, first name terms. Um, and everybody can be like that as well, because thankfully we live in the UK where the hobby is still of a size where you can be on first name terms with people and you mm. can email creators and you can, you know, contact people on Twitter 
and I've never had anything but people come back and just be nice and human and so on. And when I grew up and my heroes were like in bands or film stars, the idea of contacting them was just, that was a fantasy. It was never going to happen, but that's not the way it is now. And, and you know, you can get in touch with people. You can get, and I, and I encourage you to do this, get in touch with Dan Sell, get in touch with Newton D101 Games, get in touch with Paul and Phil. Um, you know, just speak to these guys, tell them about the sort of stuff that you want to do or you want to have them do for you. And, and there's, um, there is definitely a sense of community around content creation at the moment. And that can be as small, of course, as just the game you are planning for your weekly group for next week. You, we're all content creators in role-playing. And sometimes it's ephemeral yes. and it just disappears. And, you know, that cool accent you put on is never heard of again. Sometimes it gets recorded for podcasts. Sometimes it gets written into books. Sometimes it gets published by Mike Mason, you know. But it's it's all content creation and just dreaming up stuff is what we do. And it's a great thing to have in common. And I think Expo just makes you come away from there thinking, isn't this as cool as shit? <laughs> it really does, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's not just the big one, like you say. It's not just Expo. It's these little things as well, like the you know the monthly meetups and the things like that. And the guys who've done God Play Leeds and, and God Play Manchester are just they're just people like you or I or you out there in Listenland as well. Trust me, they're just like normal, ordinary people who play some games and wanted to play some games with other folk and didn't necessarily have a gaming group. Maybe moved to the city because of a job or whatever else it was, but just put something up on Meetup and then met lots of like-minded people and now running two or three tables a month, which is cool. I think it's just like really amazing that we can do that. And in a way, I feel like I was I was born too early. I feel like we should have been born about twenty years <laughs> later and coming into our prime now. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yeah, maybe, mate, maybe. Well, it's the, it, what a great time to be alive, and what a great time to be a hobbyist as well. Is we are truly in a golden age of gaming now, and I think we've said on previous podcasts that um, there was definitely a time where you would go to conventions and everyone would talk about the death of the hobby and how it would never survive video games, etc., etc., etc. Per sure to them, we say. And <laughs> evidence, is, evidence has proved that there's been no better time to do it. Yeah, quite right. So, I think we're nearing our hour, actually, Baz. That was quite Blimey. quick. Stick to, you know, <laughs> talking about games is the next best thing to playing games. But um, <laughs> shout, shout out to everybody we met at Expo and the Kraken and all the people we're due to meet at the various conventions that we're going to. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put an appearance at Owlbear and Wizard Staff. I'm playing, not running. So I'm cool. in it, so that'll be exciting. Peter, going into some games that are not normally the kind of thing I play. So yeah, going to try and broaden my horizons a bit this year. I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be great. Yeah, and that's, that's the beauty of going to things like cons, isn't it? You can just try something out. Yes. Uh, yeah, and is. not have to, you know, learn a whole new system or it yourself. I do like that idea. I still feel pressured into, like, only pressure from myself, but I feel pressured into running games most of the time. I feel like I should <laughs> be running games, which is, um, you know, a personal foible. I think there's other yeah. people who just wouldn't run a game if you put a gun to the head, but <laughs> it takes all sorts, doesn't it? Um, yeah, but it yes, does. if you're out there in listener land and you see us at a convention, do come along and tell us what you think of the show. If there's other topics you want us to bring up, if there's things you want to chat about, or if you don't even care about all that and just actually want to have a chat about games with us in person without it being recorded or appearing on the show at all, that's all perfectly good as well because we do love talking about games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, please do that. We'd like nothing more. Um, and um, yeah, always open for a conversation. And, you know, we've got loads of stuff lined up for uh, for what would the Smart Party do. But it's still fresh as daisies, despite it being episode 102. Uh, we've always got ideas for like some guests 
We had some amazing guests over the last year. I feel like we could go back and have a return visit with some of them. Maybe we'll circle back on some of those great content creators who've got new irons in new fires since we last spoke to them. Um, and of course, we've always got new topics and new conventions to talk about. And well, possibly new product, who knows? But um, if there is anything that you want to talk about, uh, maybe you want to come on the show. We have, we've got, you know, every guest is a welcome guest in the Smart Party. To get in touch through the usual channels, we have uh, smartparty at hotmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, we may even be on Discord for all I know. Who knows? I'll just <laughs> talk to my social media manager over there. Guys, what are we on? <laughs> we're all those things. America started Discord. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we seem to we, we pop up and pop away again on a variety of platforms. We were on G Plus till that died. We had a brief foray into MeWe, but that's another thing. If if people have an appetite, if you think you want a Slack channel or a Discord channel or anything else where you want to hang out with other smart posse members and chat about games, just let us know. We can create one. It's dead easy. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you in real life or on the Twitters or Facebook or via email. Yeah, thanks, guys. Get in touch any way you can. And thanks ever so much for anyone who's backed or will back King of Dungeons. It's been an absolute blast. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Play the drums. You can get in touch with the Smart Party via your favourite electronic means. Look us up on the forums where we're just about everywhere. Or you can simply email us at thesmartparty at hotmail.com. Your comments, insights, questions and revelations are always welcome. Roll diplomacy.